That was a great dinner. So great. Wait, where'd you park the car? Oh, the one I just sold at Carvana. What? When did you do that? When you were still looking at the menu. I went on Carvana.com and all I had to do was enter the license plate or VIN, answer a few questions, and got a real offer in seconds. They picked up the car already? No, I parked around the corner. But they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot. Oh, no wonder you picked up the check. Yeah, about that. Uh, thought we were going halvesies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 58. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Glad you guys are back with us here for this Wednesday show, Steelers Nation, as we are wrapping up the Falcons game and setting our sights towards Ravens Week. First time meeting Baltimore this year. That'll be this Sunday, Week 14, and a pretty big game for both sides. Dave, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, uh, exciting week right who would have thought <laughs> a couple of weeks ago how big uh this week 14 game against the baltimore ravens uh would be i mean this is uh this is the next i mean this is a big big game this is a contenders pretenders uh type of game you know are are you going to make a run for the playoffs uh uh, you know, moving forward from here, do we need to start looking at the scenarios and and what what we need to look at is scoreboard watching? Uh, all that I think will be deter- determined on Sunday this week. And first and foremost, boy, what a what a memorable day for uh, for you and and kind of, you know we kind of talked about this the other day. What a great find uh, that you had on the Connor Hayward. Uh, you know, after the Connor Hayward scored the other day against the Falcons, you were able to quickly track down. I mean, really quick by at halftime of that game, you had uh, Craig Hayward's first re- receiving touchdown uh, in the NFL was able to point out how, how amazingly, I don't want to say scary, but amazingly similar. The, uh, the, uh, that touchdown was to uh, Connor Hayward's there and uh, you posted it on Twitter and that, that, that obviously took off there. And for those that don't know this morning uh, on good morning football on the NFL network, uh, Peter Schrager, uh, who does a fine job. I, I always kind of enjoy Peter's work on there uh, has a segment called cool play, bro. And uh, Alex, uh, he points out uh, Alex finding that play and kind of showcases that play compared to uh, uh, Connor Hayward's play. So, uh, Kudos to you, uh, Alex. Uh, and in fact, I think uh, uh, Kay Adams, the former host uh, uh, of, of Good Morning Football, mentioned it on on her podcast too. But she didn't shout out your name there, <laughs> so uh, uh, at least uh, NFL Network did. So anyway, uh, knew that was a great find right off the top, and it's good to see you get some recognition for it there. You guys hear a bunch of camera shutters in the background. That's just the paparazzi lined up here with a big news. No, no, that was cool. But, uh, you know, just just dumb luck. I mean, you, you know how it is. You go down 15 rabbit holes and most of them don't work out. And the one you randomly don't know. Hits, it's just you find that. And again, the, the weirdest part was uh, somebody had just posted that full game for me to pull the clip 12 days ago. And right. so I don't know what compelled somebody to pull, post a uh, full Saints Rams game from 1991. But. Maybe there's a little divine intervention working on the uh, internets this weekend. 
Yeah, and uh, the KG, the KG experience on Twitter was the one that pointed us out, pointed that out, that caught it this morning, and uh, tweeted us a clip of uh, of them going over the play that Alex had found. So uh, shout out to uh, letting us know there. Trying to get Good Morning Football to uh, post that full segment on Twitter. So hopefully by the end of the day, we'll be able to pass the full segment around. All right, let's talk about stuff people want to hear about here. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin uh, speaking to the media on Tuesday, of course, detailing the injury report. Not many uh, updates there. Pretty nondescript. Talked about the bumps and bruises associated with play to Larry Okunjobi, to TJ Watt with the ribs, things like that. We'll know updates on kicker Chris Boswell or cornerback William Jackson. Both are eligible to be designated to return. Um, from injured reserve, we'll see if that happens. Today would be a good day for that to occur, so we'll keep our eyes peeled. But the notable name Tomlin mentioned, Chakwuma Korfor, with a shoulder injury, suffered in that game, missed a couple of snaps, did finish it out. But uh, uh, Tomlin saying that you know we'll see where the roads lead may affect him early in the week. I imagine he'll play against the Ravens, but that's the most notable name an injury to talk about. Yeah, uh, you you are correct there, and you know he mentioned T.J. Watt went back to the end of that Colts game. Uh, and final couple plays in there. I think I found the uh, the chip by Jonathan Taylor <laughs> right into the. It looked like that kind of smarted uh, T.J. Watt on on that play because I think T.J. told the uh, uh, the CBS crew there, uh, you know, ahead of the Atlanta game that that's you know he's kind of smart from that. And if T.J. Watt's talking about kind of smarting from a play, I bet that son of a gun hurt. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, that's not so, something that, you know, he's not one to really talk about injuries and all like that. And, you know, he looked a little, I mean, uh, no, the, you know, obviously Atlanta, you had a plan of trying to get the football out and, and, and you know, have has a mobile quarterback and able to move the pocket and all like that. Uh, he looked a little bit sluggish over, overall in that game against Atlanta that, that like, like he might, you know, uh, still be smarting a little bit from that rib injury. But, you know, another week here now, hopefully they'll take it easy on him on practice. And, uh, you know, hopefully that thing will be behind him pretty good come Sunday against the uh, against the Ravens. Yeah, it was a pretty quiet game, but it was quiet for Highsmith. And just point is, you better get ready, get up for for Ravens week. And just speaking of injuries here briefly to talk about this, I'm sure we'll discuss it more on Friday, previewing uh, this game officially. But very, uh, very unlikely Lamar Jackson plays in this game with a reportedly PCL sprain suffered in that win over Denver. So it looks like Pittsburgh for the, uh, the second time saw him in the finale last year. We'll see Tyler Huntley again under center or shotgun or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this Sunday. Boy, what a break for the Steelers, right? And you know, you don't want to wish, you know, injury on any team and yeah, I'd much rather see uh my quote, you know, quote, quote unquote, my team beat another team at full strength and all like that. But I mean, it, it, you know, this is the cycle of the NFL. This is what happens. Injuries happen. And, uh, you know, the, the line moved tremendously because of this, I think, uh, because, I mean, make no mistake, Lamar Jackson's worth a few points uh, even on the road here. So now we're in a situation where the Steelers are actually favored in this game. Uh, this will be Huntley's first start this season. His, I believe, his fifth of his NFL career. I think he's won just one of those other starts. He obviously came in in relief of Lamar Jackson against the the Broncos uh, uh, on Sunday, and they ended up winning that game, but I didn't put, our, put a lot of points on the board. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, an interesting kind of, kind of twist uh, 
uh, this week to this game. And, and as you mentioned, they, they have faced Huntley. They have prepared for Huntley uh, before, so it's not going to be new from that aspect here. Uh, this is just a golden opportunity right now for the Steelers team, as I mentioned at the top here, uh, a game that, you know, you probably really, really question whether or not the Steelers could win if Lamar Jackson plays in it now becomes one that they're going to have, they should have a pretty good chance to win with, uh, with, 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 with Huntley under, under center here. The Ravens have to be the worst and just most hard luck injury team in football, at least the last two years, but uh, this year as well, they were destroyed last year. It's a big reason why they collapsed, including not having Lamar for the final four or five games of that season. But to your point, yeah, for Pittsburgh, it won't be new preparing for Huntley, but as Mike Tomlin pointed out, it won't be new for Huntley preparing for Pittsburgh. And so it kind of works both ways here, but the Ravens offense did very little uh, in that Denver game. It took until the last 30 seconds for them to put their first touchdown on the board, a Huntley rushing touchdown to win that game 10 to nine. So uh, certainly, as you said, Lamar's worth a couple of points and, is a big difference in this game, assuming he does not play. You know, Huntley fits in what they like to do. It's not like they have to change things, you know, from right. a schematic standpoint. It's just Lamar. Huntley's not Lamar, especially in escape of betting. He can run now, don't get me wrong. And he's going to run in this game, or at least try to. But I think this is another game where uh, <laughs> you, you hit that son of a gun every time he, uh, with the mess charge a couple of times, and maybe you, uh, maybe you get him in situations where he 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 hands that ball off. Maybe sometimes when he shouldn't on some of those reads, you know. Not not to take the long view of it, but this this schedule is looking pretty nice, and I don't want to be someone that gets caught up in that stuff too much because it's hard to win any game in the NFL. It's one game at a time, but that it's fortunate no Lamar, and then you got what. Carolina and the Raiders. I mean, you know, this team could really finish the season pretty strong. Look, and I that, that was part of my terrible take yesterday was, you know, don't look now, but here, here, here they are. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mean, if I would have told you four weeks ago, Alex, that man, if the Steelers, the Steelers are are gonna uh, play a uh, Ravens team without you know without Lamar Jackson, and if they win this one. If they win that one, then we need to start looking at uh, who needs to lose and what games the Steelers need to win. Not many people would have blamed me, but uh, here we are. I mean, this is this is the biggest game. I, I, uh, in so many words, I mean, they could probably lose one more of these games. But if you want to be you, you, you want you if you want to be uh Direct about it. This, I mean, it's almost like a single elimination right now. Uh, sure. If they if they win out, you really like their chances to get in the playoffs. If they don't win out, uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks in there, and it, it really starts this week. I mean, get get the win this week, and then you know, move on. We'll talk about Carolina next week. Absolutely, you're right. This is one game at a time. You lose to Baltimore, all these conversations come to a screeching halt. But in my head. I thought I'm a big uh, horse racing guy. I'm thinking about Rich Strike in the Derby last year, coming up from behind the last 30 seconds and just somehow overtaking everybody. Pittsburgh's not going to win the AFC North, but that just kind of in my head about this team. It's just, you know, and, and again, whenever they were two and six, we talked about the last two times they were two and six, they finished each of those seasons eight and eight. And so Tomlin, for all his warts and all the, the criticism, some of that, which is certainly valid, is able to rally his team and, and never lose that locker room. And, Again, the schedule is certainly more forgiving. They're not facing the Bills and Eagles and teams like that, but you just have to find a way to to rally and at least attempt to right the ship. 
Look, I mean, I, I had him going eight and nine this year. I think you did too, right? Or nine right. and eight. Both eight and nine. Uh, both eight and nine. I mean, there's a very good chance of that happening. And I mean, you win four of your final five here. You go nine and eight, right? Uh, oh, you're making me do math. I was told there'd be no math here on this show. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be four and one, it'd be nine and eight. Yes. All right. So you go nine and eight. And uh, that bumper sticker's back in play again. <laughs> Never a losing season. Well, but also I, the statues, right? You're saying build a statue for Tomlin to make the playoffs. Yeah, look, I mean, I and, and I put this on Twitter a long time ago. If if this team makes the playoffs, yeah, they should build a statue for him outside the stadium. And I, I, I you know. I, I think you need to really consider if he gets his team in the playoffs and then, but I don't think once they get in the playoffs, it none of that, does that matter with the coach of the year award? I don't think it does. Does it? Or does it? In terms of playoff success, does that right, get, uh, right. Within I think the, it's generally a regular season award. All right. Well, I mean, if he gets his team in the playoffs, man, I, I don't know how you, how he does it going or some serious coach of the year votes, you know? Yeah, potentially. Uh, but let's get to that point in in, in the first place. And, and yeah, kind of you gotta you gotta win this week. I mean, yeah. look, if they don't win this week, even though they can still run the table out, go go nine and eight. I mean, it really lessens their chance of making the playoffs and and yada yada. We're back to kind of you know wondering if they can run the table because remember they got to play Baltimore. Uh, a uh, few week, few more weeks from now, you know, right. and, at and, Baltimore and then Cleveland to, to finish things up. Right. And you have to think from a seeding aspect that maybe Baltimore will still have something, you know, best case scenario here is that you beat Baltimore, uh, uh, obviously on Sunday and maybe they win their next couple and, you know, the, the, uh, uh, or, you know, lose a couple in there and then Kansas city and those other, you know, in other words, the number one seed, uh, and and uh, comes out of play, but they still have home field where maybe that week 17 game doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah, I think it would take a lot considering how hotly contested the, the first place battle is. The Bengals would have to fall apart for the Ravens to to have a chance to comfortably be in a good place by week 17. That's unlikely to happen. So I imagine that week 17 game is going to mean a lot to Baltimore. Will it mean a lot to Pittsburgh? We'll see. Right. I mean, but, but the fact that we're talking about that right now is quite... Uh, it's, it's quite impressive, really. I, I didn't see them being in this thing really with this game having this kind of magnitude at this point right now. Dave, we don't talk about tryout players too often. They happen basically every Tuesday. That's essentially how the NFL works, or at least how Pittsburgh works. Bring guys in on, on a Tuesday to try out roll decks kind of stuff, injuries, just emergency call-ups, things like that. Pittsburgh working out seven players on Tuesday. Probably more to your point, you made this point in the DMs last night that it's probably more of a, a futures contract look and guys like that, especially when they worked out four long snappers. Um, but some of the more uh, other notable names, position players include Caleb Ellaby, uh, a quarterback, a, a rookie, maybe kind of a Lamar Jackson scout team thing. I don't know exactly if that's a, a thought there that they, they potentially have. Also, a couple of CFL guys, including Tyson Philpot, who was with the uh, Montreal Alouettes, who's 22 years old, and Kean Shaper Baker, who was with the Rough Riders. And so, a couple of CFL guys, a quarterback, and four long snappers. So, um, just want to mention that because of that pretty long list of tryout players. Yeah, absolutely, and it does have that kind of that feel to it that uh, that it's uh, 
futures kind of guys in there right now, especially with all these long snappers, right? I mean, it, it, uh, unless something's going on with, uh, with, with, with Christian Kuntz that we don't know about, but uh, the team has already made one move on their practice squad today. Uh, did not include a, uh, uh, a long snapper. They signed uh, Amiki Ag- Agbule to the practice squad linebacker and released uh, uh Told people not to get comfortable with Master Teague back on the practice squad. Out goes Master Teague from the practice squad. So that will uh, that will upset a few people here. But, uh, uh, you know, they're back kind of healthy at the running back position. I would imagine it, it Egbule, a kind of an outside linebacker. Yeah, I'm actually edge, edge guy. Just pulling up the uh, 2019 draft profile that Tom did on him. So, again, nice. it's so great to go back to these things. And, yeah, 6'2", 245 coming out. Tom liked his hand usage, his violent hands, good first step, says uh, need, needed some work as a tackler, and uh, his pass rush plan was not great. But uh, Houston kid, um, so, yeah, looks like some edge help there. Yeah, uh, two, uh, 2019 six-round draft pick of the, what was it, the Chargers, I think, uh, uh, who, who originally drafted him. Is that right? I'm not sure. That sounds uh, right. Uh, of the Chargers and, you know, has it, has it, I think he's, he's, he's seen limited action in the NFL, uh, most recently of the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, in the, uh, what league was that? <laughs> that AAF. Was, uh, it, was that XFL? Was that the XFL team? Did he get drafted that was XFL. Yeah, that was XFL. Okay, they haven't played yet, though, but he right. probably got drafted, and now he's obviously in the NFL. Right. So, uh, and you would you would say, okay, well, why is this team signing an out, another outside linebacker to the practice squad? This is probably a sign that uh, uh, TJ Watt needs a couple of days here. Yeah, he's going to get, I'm sure, a rest day today, uh, along probably with Cam Hayward, Oakland Joby, and others. And so they're going to add some some depth there. The running back room now healthy with Warren healthy, Harris good. And so Master Teague will always have the summer of 2022, but probably right. just that. And look, he might, you know, we Master Teague might be a guy that circles back to a futures. Yeah, he could. I mean, again, he had a, he had a, a good summer. He was running hard and that ankle sprain or whatever it was, and, and that's unfortunate for him. So he'll he'll, he'll resurface somewhere, I'm sure. All right, we're uh, circles back to where we were for the mo- for, for before the move there. Uh, the other workouts, and again, four long snappers. The most notable name there, not that I'm the the long snapping expert, but Thomas Fletcher was the top long snapper whenever he came out. He actually got drafted by Carolina. He has really good length, 34 inch arms, and and length and size matters less these days for long snappers because there's so many rules protecting those guys. But it's still nice to have overall. So he's a, a pedigree long snapper if there is such a thing. Okay. All right, moving on to Mike Tomlin and again mentioned the injury report there. The big conversation that Tomlin had that's dominating uh, some of the headlines here is his response to uh, George Pickens' frustrations during that game against the Falcons. Obviously, cameras following Pickens pretty closely, getting upset for for not being involved um, in the offense. And a lot of criticism for, for Pickens in, in that sense, Mike Tomlin pushing back on it. Uh, a big, long kind of monologue about responding to that. Let me just read part of what Mike Tomlin said. He says, quote, I'd rather say woe than sick him. I want a guy that wants to be a significant part of what we do. Now, the appropriate and professional and mature way to express that we're growing and working on and that will continue. But that spirit, that competitive spirit. Nah, I want that guy uh, went on to say uh, for, for a guy who wants to do that, referring to Pickens wanting to step up and deliver and make plays. 
Uh, Tomlin saying, quote, I'm not going to make that a negative, no matter how silly I think the commentary is or people talking about him expressing frustrations and stuff and trying to make it a negative storyline. I laugh at that. And so Mike Tomlin very much pushing back. I'll have concluded the, the, the statement there by saying uh, we're capable of tuning that BS out. And so Tomlin basically saying this is a non-story. Look, uh, I'll say it once again. Uh, I think that in, in so many words, Tomlin said, you know, the way he go, I don't have a problem with the way that he, that him wanting the ball. Okay. And, and there's going to be some frustration from time to time on the field, uh, throwing the hands up. I and mean, look, we, we saw Claypool do that several times earlier this season, right? Throw me, yeah, I'm open, throw, throw, throw me the ball. Some of his body language, I mean, and, and Deontay Johnson, we've seen that as well too. It's just when it when it boils over to where it's very visible like that, and the camera's already now a couple of weeks in a row kind of uh, 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 focused in on this, and then you have uh, uh, media guys taking pictures on the sidelines of Deontay, and then you had the uh, the TV camera showing Cameron Hayward uh, over there kneeled down trying to trying to talk to the kid and all like that. I don't have a problem with the kid, you know, the competitive. Nate spirit of this and him wanting the ball. What I have problems with is that week in week out, you know, yelling at your coaches or whoever, we don't know who he was yelling at, but it might've been just in general, right? you know, whoever can hear me, throw me the effing ball, you know, but this is the uh, only week he's been yelling right last week against the Colts. He was just kind of head held low because he had dropped a couple of passes. He wasn't yelling at anybody. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a couple of weeks in a row. We're talking about it. All right. Uh, my, my whole angle on this is okay. We, we know you want the ball here. Just, you know, let's go about a better way of, 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 of you showing that you want the football other than getting caught yelling on the sideline like that. Right. As Tom and, then, was- and then if you're going to do that, you're going to get caught doing that. Then answer the damn questions after, after the game's over. Yeah, we still disagree with that. I don't think the fact Pickens has no control over if the camera's captured or not. And if you're frustrated, you don't want to, you know, say the wrong thing and get poked and prodded because you're going to get 40 questions about why he's why still going to have to answer those questions later this yeah, week. Right? I'm sure he's cooled down right? when you're when you're well, hot and heated gonna, after the game. You're not uh, in that same space right now. No, there's a difference between that's why there's a cool down period in general. And certainly guys can still be really heated coming right off the game. I mean, he's already you know gotten calmed down by by Cam at that point. You're in the locker right? uh He should be cooled down by that by by that yeah. that amount of time. I would I I wouldn't necessarily say that. I don't know if I, I don't know if Cam's words even worked if it calmed him down. I mean, I don't think it did because I think he was yelling after Cam spoke to him. I don't I don't remember the whole timeline Look, there. I mean, once again, I don't have a problem with him you know wanting the football. Okay, just. The more visible that this becomes, though, the more it is like it or not, the more it's going to become a BS story. Sure, sure. Right. Because Tomlin Tomlin says this is all BS. Tune it out. Well, that makes you want to magnify on it even more uh, because he says trying to make it uh, it, it's blood in the water right now. You know, and sure. it's, it's it's a very easy target and it'll be an even easier target if 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 the next one comes in a loss, 
Right. And you can bet where he he catches three balls or two balls for 17, 16 yards or whatnot, you know, and to to my point and to the concern that I had was this is going to happen again this year for Pickens. It's going to be a dud game because you're playing in a run heavy offense and, you know, your vertical receiver that's already kind of feast famine. So he's going to have to learn to understand there's going to be ebbs and flows. Not every single game is going to be a big game for him. And to your point, I mean, you can bank. Five minutes in that Ravens game, they're going to talk about this this moment with George Pickens. They're going to flash back to it. They're going to do all that sure. kind of stuff and, and highlight it. And you don't want this to be a repeated kind of thing. But a guy, and that's, the, and that's my point. I understand. But the the principle of a guy getting mad during a game it happens all the time. So I just want to you want to watch for it. You want to it's a teach moment. But I don't want to make too much out of it because this is a thing that's happened to all the receivers this year: Deontay Claypool and now Pickens, and it happens pretty commonly across the NFL. Sure. And what I'm warning people about is you keep this kind of stuff up. And then the next time you know, one of these, you know, hope, hopefully there's not one of these times, but to get thrown one in the end zone in a key moment and he drops it or don't make the catch or something like that. Well, then the whole thing's going to turn, the worm's going to turn in the apple here, you know, uh, on it. So he, I, you know, I don't have, once again, I don't have a problem because you know, all of them want the football, right? You know, right. And that's uh, in their DNA. It's why they're receivers. Uh, throw me the damn ball is Keyshawn Johnson. But man, there's got to be a better way of expressing it, you know, and now it, he's an easy mark right now at this point. And you can bet if he does it again and he's you know, how and it's going to probably going to happen again. It, it's going to be easy for the cameras to focus on. So uh, let me ask you this. Did, did you like Tomlin's response or do you think that yeah, was I, mean, I, I, I thought it was fine? I mean, you don't. I mean, it, he there. If you read this slowly and parse it slowly, he was on both sides of this, right? He was he uh, Tomlin was. He was. Look, I don't want to. I want. I want players out there that want the football, right? I, I don't want to de- uh, uh, depress the competitive spirit nature with this guy wanting the football and wanting to to help the team win. But there is a however comma in there, right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it was mostly a defense of Pickens, but there was the comment of we're going to, you know, a, a teach moment. But but right. I think generally this is a pretty clear defense of George Pickens. Right. But I mean, there was a however comment there. Now, the appropriate and professional and mature way to express that comma, we're growing and working on comma and we will continue. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want this to happen every week. That's not the right way to handle some of that stuff. You understand the emotions of the game. And again, I this is still a rookie. This is still a 22-year-old sure. kid. I mean, it hasn't, I mean, it, you know, he's, he's had a good season, had a lot of success, and you're dealing with some struggles. And th- th- hopefully this is just a, a teach moment for George Pickens. Yeah, and I'm sure this will all come off of Dave hates George Pickens like he hates the other 52 guys on the <laughs> roster. And, and that's not what I think. The guy's incredibly sure. talented. I think he's got a great future ahead of him. But I am 54 years old, and I have seen this kind of stuff many times over the years, right? You know, right. and uh, it's, it, and I've seen how it's been covered uh, from the media aspect of it since 2008. Uh, uh, and, you know, kind of focus, I mean, this will get magnified if it keeps up and it will turn more and more into a negative thing uh, for him. So my, my, my point is, is man, just be cognizant of how you're being, that you are a focal point now and be careful how you express, you know, 
your your emotions on the field in this in in these situations. Right. No, I think you're 100 percent right about that. And in the biggest takeaway, even if Tomlin believes, and I know that he does, it's a it's a BS media story. The cameras are always going to be on George Pickens, and so you better recognize that fact, understand that whatever you do potentially is going to get magnified and replayed a million times over. It's like once you once you send a text message. You're assuming that thing's going to be in the public sphere forever. Like that could get out, and so you better make sure you're always, you know, talking with that in mind. And just in the way on the field, your actions are always going to be potentially on camera. And so you better act as if, act as if that you're always on the camera. Right. And now that Tomlin has said, I'm not going to make it a negative, and then he's called it something that could be potential BS. Once again, that's that's <laughs> that makes you want to magnify on it more. You know, not not that he shouldn't have said all that. I mean, I appreciate. The way what he said and the way he said it and and with there being a however comma in there. But the fact that this is now a talking point, it's going to remain something that that's easy to focus on. Right. Like, Absolutely. Like, like it or not. I mean, and, I, and Tomlin knows that, but I think he was doing that because he wanted to make it very clear to George Pickens. He had his back and he was defending. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And and. And once again, I don't have any problem with Pickens wanting the football here. And uh, it's easy. And and Pickens will have a lot of people support. You know, the anti-Canada people right now are are, are saying, yeah, tell them, George, you, you know, uh, uh, fire Canada. That, that's why you ain't getting this thing. But this keeps up and it's going to be the worm's going to turn and it's going to uh, turn back on Pickens here. Sure, absolutely. So. Those are the comments there from Tomlin on Pickens. What else did Mike Tomlin have to say that you thought was uh, relevant and, and interesting? Uh, let's see here. You know, just talking about. Uh, I'm trying to roll through this real quick here. Uh, I, I thought the way he handled the whole uh, talking about Tyler Huntley was 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 good. And you know, much in the same way, and I'm paraphrasing here, much in the same way we talk about uh, Kenny Pickett and the experience you know, uh, playing a role in his development positively, the same can be say, said about Huntley. And, and this isn't a new, you know, this isn't the first rodeo for Huntley uh, in this. And as I mentioned, he's, this will be what is uh, his uh, fifth, fifth career start and first this year. And because mm-hmm. he's yes. either, either made four or five previous ones in there as well too. So uh, I, I just thought how he framed that and basically saying, don't don't sleep on this guy. Yeah, he'll be a threat for sure. I mean, that was a close game they played last year, 16-13, came down to the wire. And so Steelers Ravens in general is almost always close one possession games, whether it's Lamar, whether it's RG3, whether it's whoever. Uh, and this week weekend will probably be the same story. I don't know if you hit on it. Maybe you did hit on it. You know, talking about the uh, guys eligible to come off IR, Chris Boswell and Will, uh, William Jackson. Uh, you have to think, uh, what's today? Boswell, you think the window gets opened? Probably the window gets open on both of them today. But sure. within, but within that, uh, I still don't like the chances of William Jackson being back on the fifty-three come Saturday. Uh, I like it more so. I mean, I suppose if William Jackson's ready, I mean, do you do you let Josh Jackson uh, Josh Jackson go? He's been hanging out. Josh Josh Jackson's been able to hang on for as long as he can. We'll see. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Let's let's see if they because if Jackson doesn't return to practice today, then he's not going to play this weekend. Uh, we can right. safely assume that. So we'll take it day by day and go from there. I just I think the odds are 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 kind of against Jackson 
being back on the 53 by Saturday. Boswell is a no brainer. If he can go out there and kick, he can kick, you know? Right. Plus, I mean, even if Jackson does practice, this guy hasn't played in the game since week five. He needs some time for conditioning and, you know, getting the system and things like that. So new system hasn't played in two months, whatever it is. And he's only practiced one time with this team, right? One practice. So uh, I I find it very unlikely he's going to play against the Ravens on Sunday. So don't, I mean, keep the run the window as long as you can with him until he's right. ready. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kicking, Mike Tomlin offering his thoughts on kicking. It's very much like mine. Put the ball through the uprights. Don't really care how it happens. He says of Matthew Wright, that one doink that he had back to back doinks for uh, for Matthew Wright. I'm not a technical teacher as it pertains to field goal kicking. I'm responsible for everything, but I don't have direct experience. I don't know how to kick. I'm not very good at it. I appreciate the ball going through the upright. That does imply when Tomlin says he's not very good at it, that he has tried to kick before. And I want to see that footage. But uh, yeah, bottom line is Wright's done well. But assuming Boz was healthy, Wright will uh, not be the kicker this weekend. Hey, if this team somehow manages, you know, <laughs> to get into the playoffs, uh, playoffs, uh, <laughs> if, if, if they manage to get in there, uh, Matt Wright, uh, Matthew Wright will be a forgotten name uh, along the journey here. That, that shouldn't be because a lot of these points have come off the leg of Matthew Wright in this uh, in these last, what, three or four games, right? So uh, uh, kudos to him for, for filling in the way that he has. And, uh, you know, once again, if this team ends up making the playoffs, don't forget the contributions that Matt Wright, Matthew Wright made. I very much look forward to in the summer of 2026, my let's remember some Steelers series will be on Matthew Wright. So we'll talk about him four years from now, but yeah, I mean, he's done, done well. Um, again, what he did on kickoffs in this game, the placement, oh, the amazing. accuracy, amazing. really tough to do. Yeah, really. That, that was as valuable as, as his actual field goals. And of course it all was, was valuable to, to sneak and, out with that, that, that victory. And I think we discussed that in lay in, 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 in on Monday, right. Uh, you know, what a, what a, and we let off with that with the special mm-hmm. teams. What a good job uh, that they did! And, uh, and look, you kept the kept the football out of Cordell Barrett Patterson's hands, and uh, on the on the returns that they did have, they didn't they they weren't you know big ones. And then you had a couple of touchbacks in there on top of it. So the game planning was on point, and the execution uh, of it was on point as well too. And then you know the kid made some kicks as well too that, uh, and they ended up winning the game. Yeah, I mean, he's a smart guy. Maybe those doinks are on purpose. He's a he was an aerospace engineer, I believe. He was like Josh Dobbs, so he's a smart guy that maybe has that down to a science. Uh, thoughts on comments on Levi Wallace and Cam Sutton? Yeah, not surprising. Called them both heady players, good above the neck guys. I mean, that that's kind of how I I've described them as well. They're not athletically super gifted. They're not you know height, weight, speed, marvels or anything like that. They're not, you know, Sertans or you know, Jalen Ramsey's or anything like that, but they're really smart guys. They've been playing the ball well, reading routes well, and I thought Sutton played a heck of a game. I thought he had an underrated performance in that one as an open field tackler, making plays on the football, just communication, playing inside, playing outside. So um, getting pressure, I just thought, you know, good games for both those guys. Uh, obviously praising Cam Cameron Hayward for, uh, and you know, that's something we haven't mentioned there. Congrats to Cameron uh, uh, Cameron Hayward for being once again, the Walter Payton man of the year, uh, nominee for the Steelers here, man. I, if I know this, I, hasn't it been more than two times he's been, it feels like he's been nominated. I think than, someone said five. I don't know where I saw that. Okay. I know, I know, I know this is back to back years, but it feels, it feels like it's been like for like every year for like the fast past five years. Right. Yeah, At least I to me, to- it, it, it does. But, uh, 
man, it'd be nice to, and like they're, they're all deserving. So, you know, some of these things that these, these guys do around the league, obviously. And that's what the, 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 you know, the uh, nomination, the awards for, it'd be nice to see Cam win it though. I gotta right. admit, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. this will be the year. I would love it to. I, I don't know how many times it's at least two. Maybe I'm misremembering the five or just saying that incorrectly, but, but hopefully he's done so much good work for the community and just, one of those guys that, and it can be cliche sometimes, but really just embodies what it means to be a Steeler, both on and off the field. To me, for my money, you know, in the in the area that I've grown up in, one of the greatest Steelers uh, of his time. Right. And he may never get quite into that stratosphere that Joe Green's at, but man, he is not far behind. And he's about to match Joe Green's career sack number. I think he's right. five behind that. And so just an incredible player and person in Pittsburgh. Very lucky to have him. All right. Um, I think we recapped enough of Tomlin there. And, and you know, uh, look, we, we, we're kind of different opinions on what's happening with Pickens here. So uh, uh, in, in certain aspects. But anyway, we'll see well, from, how that plays out. From Pickens to Pickett, you what? You had done some more stats on Kenny Pickett. I have no idea what this, these stats even are, I don't think. So take it away. What is your uh, your thoughts on Kenny Pickett? Yeah, I look, I just think in general here, and, and he has obviously made some strides, I think, in his game. I think you would you would obviously agree with that as well, too. Um, I, I think the Colts game was better than the Falcons game, uh, top to bottom. I think uh, there's a couple throws probably uh, could have been obviously better uh, in here. Uh, it goes without saying, though, uh, I and people are going to hate that I keep boiling it down to a couple of these stats here, but uh, he has got to start pushing the football uh, down the field more, plain, plain and simple. And just looking at uh, the stat that I always like to bring up is the adjusted net yards for passing a tip stat uh, uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, because this takes into account uh, passing yardage. It, 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 it takes into account sacks, touchdowns, interceptions, uh, you know, yardage and all like that. And, and like it or not, it is a very good measurement of of where a quarterback is uh, currently in his career. And right now his, his, his adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat is five in the, and, and I wanted to take a snapshot of the last four games, right? Because I want to see, we all know that, you know, he had those eight interceptions kind of early there. So I wanted to kind of pick up where that, where, the, where that last, you know, bad game, uh, left off with him. I wanted to really look at what he's done over the last four games. And he has completed 79 of 128 uh, pass attempts, no interceptions in that string. And that's absolutely phenomenal. You with the, the, the status of this team right now, you are not going to win games. If you turn the football over right now, and he's not doing that. Uh, However, uh, 835 yards, just two touchdowns. He's been sacked 11 times for 76 yards there. Uh, his adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat off of those four games alone is 5.75, right? Not, it's obviously a lot better than it was through those first handful of games. There. I mean, we're talking sub four in, in that number, but this number is, absolutely has got to climb it you know the minimum we need to see this number here real soon is 6.4 area 
I, I assume this number ranks pretty low league wide. Are you doing any sort of comparison? I looked at here's what I did, Alex. I looked. Okay. I wanted to look at how he compares league wide. The 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 uh, they just posted your cool plays, bro segment uh, on Twitter. So if you go to Ste- at Steelers Depot on Twitter, you will see the full video cool plays, bro, which Schrager breaks down the coolest plays of week 13. And within that is Alex Kazora getting a shout out. So that's- the only time the words cool and Alex Kazora ah. will ever be in the same sentence. <laughs> so we'll take it. Uh, anyway, continue. I-, I wanted to look at where Kenny ranks league wide in the last four games, each of these quarterbacks around, because obviously there's been some buys in there, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to see where he ranks in his adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat based on other quarterbacks with, you know, I think it was 75 or more. I forget what the completion uh, or what the attempts are. You know, in other words, getting a a sample size, and I came up with 25 quarterbacks that, that have had enough attempts and all like that. Uh, of those 25 core or actually, I'm sorry, 26 quarterbacks, uh, Kenny Pickett ranks 19th in adjusted net yards for passing attempt. All right. Uh, okay. He is higher than Tom Brady, just barely Tom Brady, 5.73 uh, versus uh, Kenny Pickett. 5.75. Now, if you, if you want to use Tom Brady as a measuring stick this year, have at it, but mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been great for Tom Brady, right? It, it And look, uh, it is, uh, uh, he's right there too, just slightly above Lamar Jackson as well too. Lamar Jackson, 5.73. But uh, uh, you look at the, who has been, let's read off the, uh, the top five, in the last four games when it comes to adjusted net yards for passing attempt, uh, that'd be Patrick Mahomes at 9.01. Wow. Uh, Tua, Tag- Tua at uh, 8.88. Joe Burrow, 8.3. Jimmy Garoppolo, 8.17. Uh, Jared Goff, ooh, who would have thought hmm. that name been in there? 7.79. And then even in sixth place, uh, Geno Smith, uh, 7.79. Uh, I played around with, I wanted to play around with the numbers while I had the formula in here as to what it would have take, what, what it would take in these last four games for Kenny Pickett to get up into like, say that 6.22 numbers. So let's add in 200 yards passing uh, to his game uh, over the last four, that would get him uh to 7.19 so what's 200 yards over the last four games it's 50 more yards passing per game right right all right uh that's one way to have gotten it to to get it higher there uh which obviously if it's on the same amount of attempts you're gonna have to probably push the football down the field a little bit more let's give him double the touchdowns that he had to four and leave the yardage alone that wouldn't do it. That would get him to 6.01 in that area there. Uh, Let's, uh, let's throw him up uh, two more touchdowns to four and increases passing yards by just 100 instead of 200. Uh, That would get him uh, at 6.76, which would be, you know, more where we'd probably like to see him uh at you know at, at, at this point here uh 
people say, man, you spend too much time on that stat, but it's, it's such a huge stat. Now, let me flip things over here to Kenny Pickett and attempts of more than 10 air yards down the field. Okay. We've, okay. Talk, we've talked quite a bit about where are the areas that we want to see Kenny Pickett get better at, right? And it's pushing the football down the field and it's red zone. Am I, am I missing anything? No, you're dead on. All right. Uh, Kenny Pickett on throws of 10 or more than 10 air yards down the field. So this, the ball has to travel at least 11 yards or more past the line of scrimmage here to, to be in this stat. Uh, he hit and, and I, the minimum I put on this attempt wise, I think was 50, 50, I think it was. So to, to, to be on this list of quarterbacks, you need to have attempted 50 or more passes that flew more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Okay. Hit me 36% completion percentage. And again, I'm the relativ- relativity man. Where does that rank? Lead Last. Oh, okay. Not good. Out of how many quarterbacks? 30, 34. All right. 34 so quarterbacks here. So uh, now, has there been some drops? Yes. Has there been, you know, a, a couple that was just off? Yeah. But I mean, the fact of the matter is here, he has completed just 36% of 75 throws. All right, so he's right in the middle of, of the sample size because I told you I was going to take a uh, uh, cutoff of 50 uh, here. Uh, and I think the most in here was what, uh, 124 for, let's see, 127 for Derek, 133 for Tom Brady. Uh, looks like Tom Brady might lead the list here in attempts of more than 10 yards down the field. Uh this season here. So what about what what about but, the same sample size since the buy to try to make everything apples to apples? Because obviously the, the start of the year was, was pretty rough. I just wonder if it's gotten better because progression is the, the thing we talk about when we talk about Kenny Pickett. Okay. Uh that's a good question here. And if you'll give me just a moment to log in and log back out. I mean, I imagine it's probably this, still this not data great. this data, by the way, comes from Sports Info Solutions and uh some of the best to do it, you know, as far as you know, aggregating this data, they're expensive, uh, but they are sports info solutions is well, well worth it. If you're into this kind of stuff, let's see here. Uh, I want to look at week. What's the week range there. That would have been 10 to week 13 would be the, the post by 10, Steelers. 11, 12. That'd be four games, right? Uh, but for Pittsburgh. Yes. Now some uh, teams are on by some teams may have three, right. but, but that'd be the, the, the four weeks of, of range. And we want to see air yard selector of 11 or more. It was 36% uh, on the season. I just want to see what it's like. I, I bet you it's been higher. I don't know how much higher. I bet there's been some improvement. Uh, I hope there's some improvement. It's hard to be worse than that. Let me narrow it down to just the Steelers here real quick. Yeah, even if it's just picket. I mean, you can look at it league-wide, but just to get the picket Thir- number. 32 attempts, 37.5% completion percentage. Yeah, it's better, but it's not much better. Uh, and whereas I said it was 36% on the other. Yeah, so he's probably sitting at 35% before the buy. Now he's 37.5%, you know post by so a, a small improvement but but pretty 
insignificant overall. All right. Now people get on and say, boy, you guys dance all over the place when it comes to Kenny Pickett. Well, we don't, we don't, we've said this several times. We don't want to, we want to see the progression. We want to sit back and watch. We don't want to draw any uh, hard conclusions yet until we see him play more games. Well, I will tell you this right now uh, at this point, we need to, in these final four or five games, I think we need to see him start pushing the football down the field. People say, well, that's, that's on Matt Cannon. No, he's making, he has attempted 32. Uh, how does this stack up league? Okay. Let, let, let's look at what this looks like kind of on an average in these last four games of who's leading the league in such attempts from now, obviously some of these quarterbacks, you know, a few of them probably going to be on buys in here or whatnot. Uh, Kirk Cousins leads the league in those in, in from week uh, 10 to week 13 in throws of more, more than 10 yards down the field with 45. Uh, Kenny Pickett is what did I, how many did I say? He had 32. 32. So he's not, I mean, not too far off, off the, uh, you know, off the pace there. Uh, you have, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has had 20. Uh, Lamar Jackson has had 22. Mac Jones has had 23. Daniel Jones has had uh, 28. Uh, Jalen Hurts has, has has had 30. So he's had two more uh, even than, than Jalen Hurts. Did the Eagles, the Eagles hadn't had a buy in or did they have a buy in there in the last four weeks? I can check. I'm not sure. But I mean, point is, you know, it's Pickett's trying to do it. I mean, the, right. the attempts are not low. Right. Uh, no, the Eagles had their buy in week seven, so they played okay. the full amount of games. All right. So, I mean, as far as actual attempts being made, those are there, right? Yeah, my question was going to be, you know, are, are is he getting the right looks? But it feels like he's at least pushing the ball. to. Now, that's just 10 plus, right? I don't know what's 20 plus and stuff like that. I know Atlanta, right. for example, they really weren't giving the deep ball a lot in that game. They were playing loose zone. They were playing it off. They didn't want to get deep. And so you just wonder, you know, obviously – any for Pickett to succeed, he needs yards per attempt and those adjusted numbers to be better than where they're at now. No quarterback's going to succeed when you're having those kind of numbers um, longer term. But I just wonder, based off the tape, is are there things there that he's missing, or is it just where he's not seeing it, or is he just inaccurate, or guys not making plays, or what is maybe the the football cause of the issue? All right, let, let me throw this at you. You talk about 20, 20 or more yards down the field. All right, in the last four games, fifteen attempts for Kenny. He is his completion percentage is actually better the further he throws it down the field. Forty six point seven percent completion on fifteen throws. Now where does so he's that completed seven of those? I'm guessing. Uh, he seven has completed. 15. Hold on a minute here. I'm, I think the math is doing it top of my head. Forty six percent, seven of fifteen. That makes sense. Uh, where is he on this list real quick here? Completion, completion. Where is it? Yeah, at 715, 46.6%. Right. So, I mean, I, I actually, that's probably pretty good across the league. 20 plus, 40, almost 50% completion rate. Okay, yeah, he has seven for 201 yards. That's a George Pickens effect. And, and, a, and a touchdown. Yeah, so, again, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I don't, I mean, you know, we'll keep watching. We'll keep I'm, studying okay. it. I'm what what my point is here overall is we have to see him be able to connect down the field more on 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 passes of 11 yards further past the line of scrimmage and like it or not look can you win 
with a quarterback with an adjusted net yards per passing attempt number of under 6.5, you can win some games, but you better have a damn good defense on the other side. I mean, a damn good defense on the other side if you're going to win 10 or 11 games, 12 games in the season that way. Uh, if not, and and the stats been proven time and time again, you better have a quarterback with a adjusted net yards passing attempt number of, of around 6.9 at a minimum in there. Right, especially when you're facing these AFC, you know, AFC quarterbacks that are putting up big numbers, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. So look, it, it it's a it serves as a warning sign right now. It's not, you know, it's not saying that this number can't go up, but just know that in the even in the progress that he's made in these these last four games, there's a ways to go. Right. I think for me, the I still think red zone and and finishing these drives is bigger than completing downfield. I think both are important, but I think the sure, team has because, to finish these drives. Right, but and that would I mean especially if he finishes because I mean three three times out of four they're probably going to be finished with a with a touchdown pass more than likely, right? I'm sorry, say that again. Three out of four times probably uh, these uh, if drives are going to be finished, they're going to be finished with a touchdown pass versus a run. Yeah, I don't know the math, but we'll we'll go with that. So, I mean, you throw in a couple more touchdown passes in there and a hundred, you know, like I said, 25 more yards per game that, that gets you up into that seven, seven range. It might not seem like it's that big of a dis- distance, but it is, you know? Yeah, it, it's pretty big. I want to, I want to just very quickly pull up the uh, red zone stats. I know Pickett was the worst quarterback in the red zone a couple weeks ago when we spoke. I imagine it probably hasn't changed dramatically since, and I'm going to use a little antiquated stat when it comes to quarterback rating, but it's just a quick number to kind of give some context to it. And it looks like uh, Mike White is lower on 19 attempts, still a smaller sample size. But if guys have, say, 25 attempts or more, Pickett is still last, although Josh Allen is is still just above him. So Allen has weirdly struggled there, but Pickett's uh, red zone numbers have not been good enough. Right. They, and, and you know, like we said, f- finishing drives, the, the, Two biggest things, I think. Look, he's poised. He's got accuracy. Uh, it feels like he's picking up what he's seeing uh, across from him. He's got mobility. He's uh, got you know some you know, his pocket poise has been okay. Looks like he's going through his reads a little bit better. Now let's start seeing some of these other things that 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 we've been talking about pushing the ball down the field and 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 finishing these drives and because look if if you it, you know you can change complexions of games by hitting some of these things especially in the first half you know and and finishing some of these drives with touchdowns instead of field goals you let teams hang around like they did against the Falcons they're able to continue to to do what their MO is and and you're not getting them out of games you can make your defense better by scoring more points mm-hmm. you know yeah that that Falcons game should have never been as close as it was it should have never been coming down to the very end um in in Pittsburgh's inability to finish was the reason why that game remained competitive so speaking of that Falcons game have some time here to talk about the all 22 you and I you and I have now digested and watched the entire all 22 
uh, from the Steelers-Falcons game. Let's start with the Steelers offense and Kenny Pickett and this group in general. What are your takeaways when it comes to the All-22 with this offense? I thought the offensive line did a fantastic job, uh, first and foremost. And second uh, note in that is not uh, – it, it confirms what I think I said the other day. There, uh, This was easily Najee's best game of the year. Uh, from a running standpoint, from a yards after first contact standpoint, uh, everything. And quite honestly, I mean, he obviously had some good games last season there. I, I think from a totality standpoint, this one ranks right on up. It's definitely his best game in 2022, I thought. And I think it really rivals a lot of the the better games that he had in 2021 uh, overall. He just, he looked a lot he looked a lot more uh, decisive with what he wanted to do. And then it looked like, uh, uh, and look, he could even add more on, on that one, on that one zone read that Kenny, uh, yeah. that Kenny kept, man, you look at the end zone that split open like a ripe old melon, didn't it? And <laughs> that's probably a touchdown. That's, that's probably a touchdown. If he, if he gives that ball to, cause it's one arm, it's one arm tackle on a safety. Then I think, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why Pickett kept the ball. He's got a corner blitzing off the edge. I don't know. That's just right. a, a mental error. Right. So, uh, but I, I think that stood out the most from me. I thought Kenny was okay. In this game, uh, you go back through and, and some of these throws, I, I think he should have made. Uh, and once again, it, to me, it was OK. I, th- I thought the Colts game was much better for him. Yeah, I'm with you. But I think overall, just a very good ground attack consistently got yards. Najee ran extremely hard. All the backs I thought played well in this game. Um, Tight ends on the end of the line blocked a little bit better. Yeah, Gentry Frymouth, I thought did better. Gentry was an asset. I thought Connor Hayward uh, touchdown aside. I thought he had some good blocks on. You mentioned those those cut blocks. I saw those. Yeah, the yeah. split zone blocks. I mean that was good. Um, he had should have been maybe called for the one penalty on that uh, kind of crackback block uh, at the end of that one Deontay catch. But good game for him. Uh, good game for the line. Whether you're talking about Dotson was better. Cole I thought played well. James Daniels has really come on strong overall. Um, Dan Moore still. If Dan Moore could ever figure out how to deal better with 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 bull rushes and power rushes, if he could anchor better and use his hands better, he'd be a top 10 left tackle easily. That's the last thing he has to clear. It's been a challenge for him since his rookie season last year. So still working on that. And, and definitely you can see that defensive ends, they see that on tape and they are challenging him with bull rushes a lot more than they have. He's using his hands better at least. Oh yeah. He's independent hand use. He was a two hand puncher this summer. Uh, generally speaking, Pat Meyer teaches independent hand use. So uh, not punching with two hands or different levels and you're shooting your right hand and stuff like that. He's gotten good at that, but still has to work on a little bit of placement and strike and power. Cause when he tries to punch and he misses, he's too high with his hands. That's when he gets walked back and he loses leverage and loses control of the block. Right. Uh, anything else with the offense? I think, um, you know, it, it was just a very old school you know, uh, ground attack kind of game. So, um, you know, I just thought Najee, I, I mean, yeah, what would you, it's hard to rank these things, but I think maybe the Browns game last year was his best game, a week 17 one. And, and maybe this one in the second place. I mean, just on, on, you know, on a totality type, uh, uh, totality of all runs in a game type situation. I, this, 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 to me, this one was up there with that. I was very impressed uh, with the way he ran and especially after look there, there were yards, given to him before contact. And I think that's where the offensive line gets some praise here, but there was a, uh, I mean, what did PFF even have for him after yards after contact in this game? 
I mean, I, I, I think imagine. the broadcast said he had 40 of his 86 right. were after contact. Yeah, I mean, he he got more than what was blocked. I mean, so I mean, that, and that that's obviously what you want, you know. Now, yeah, uh, look, I, you know, me and explosive ride. I think the best way. I think they're doing it, and I said this the other day. I think they're doing an excellent job. I would like to see kind of this more of a com- committee approach. I don't think it should be all on Najee. I think Benny Snell gives you a certain aspect uh, that you can use uh, 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 right now behind this line. And obviously Jalen Warren is a guy that, that has a, uh, has a layer of explosiveness uh, to him that you're not afraid to hand him the ball or, or use him to block in all situations. You've got three back three backs right now that technically can play any down. I think. Yeah, I think Snell is going to carve out a role. I think Harris snap count was 66% in this game, which is the lowest he's played in games that he's not been hurt or blowouts or things like that. And that's still a heavy amount of snaps for him, but it's keeping him fresh. I think him being fresh is important too. And I think, you know, we talked about the power in this game. I thought the vision that he showed in this game was fantastic. And he, I, mean, I think he has more confidence cutting now. He was, you know, dancing a bit more. Now he's really making a hard one cut and then finding the hole and getting downhill. So I thought his vision in this game on some of those zone runs was was just as impressive. Uh, PFF has uh, Najee 45 yards after contact uh, in this game. Uh, Benny Snell had 17 after contact on his few carries. Uh, That's look. I mean, like I said, I'd like to see them kind of rotate some of these guys around a little bit more. I I, I think you get uh, don't don't wear them down. You know, especially yeah. this time of year. You know? Yeah, I, th- I thought they had a really good plan against the Falcons, and they won't always be able to run the ball 37 times, and so being consistently ahead helps some of those things. I'm going to write about this later this week as kind of one of my Friday-ish commentary posts. I think Eddie Faulkner's done a good job with this room, with Najee, with Jalen Warren, having you know, with Ant-Mac last week uh, for the Colts game. Uh, the ball security these guys have shown throughout uh, Faulkner's time, that's something he really preaches. They work extremely hard at every single practice, ball security drills. Uh, in training camp, I think Falk has done a, done a nice job with this group. All right, uh, I did not like the gunner, one of those gunner uh, uh, end around, especially when Kenny had a block in it. Uh, people say, "Well, uh, you know, I got a nasty email this week, but in so many words, it said, uh, uh, you stupid idiot! How can you uh, say that Matt Canada called a uh, a good game when this team only scored uh, what was it, nineteen points? You know." Uh, uh, I think uh, an R word was used in there to describe me or uh, anyway, it was a real nasty email saying you don't know football because the Steelers scored 19 points. And yet you're saying Matt Canada called a good game. Yeah. I mean, this just goes back to, you can call a good game and your offense not produce, or you can call a bad game and your offense does produce. It's, it's a matter of execution versus play calls. And, you know, people want to offer specific reasons why they think, you know, Canada didn't call a good game. I'm all ears. I've certainly done that throughout this year. And of course you want to score more than 19 points, but to me, I'm seeing a lot of player execution. Deontay catches that pass on third down. That's a touchdown right there. I mean, how many drives they stalled out red zone fringe in the red zone itself. What about the Kenny throw to uh, the, uh, yeah. fireman. fireman should have been a touchdown. Easy, easy touchdown. I mean, that's just a bad miss by, by Kenny Pickett there. So you had so many, that's not on Canada. I mean, I'm sorry to say, listen, we've been critical of Canada. We, we, we talked about the issues. I think we're being fair to the guy. Lately, the issues have been less on him and more on just the players not finishing plays, not finishing drives, not executing. Now, some will say, well, look, them not executing is because of coaching. So that goes back to Canada. Well, really, that should go back more to the positional coaches in terms of the execution, because the positional coaches are the one teaching technique and 
going through drills and things like that. I just think from a raw play calling standpoint, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to put this guy, I'm not, I'm not stumping for this guy, but people expect us to do this thing the way we've always done it. And that's criticize praise or, you know, be right down the middle on, on, on other stuff or, or say, I don't know when we don't know. Uh, to me, I feel the last couple of games, he's, uh, look, I mean, there's five or six plays in each of these games. I can say, uh, yikes, I don't know about that. But the whole second and long runs thing, you know, uh, I think for what that Falcons game was, other than putting points on the board and, and execution, I thought he called an okay game. Yeah, I was I wasn't displeased with it overall. Um, last note on on George Pickens, I'm going to do hopefully a, a breakdown an article for tomorrow for Thursday on Seagulls Depot about why I thought George Pickens didn't get the ball. I think there's a couple of reasons for it, but um, I, I, it didn't feel like he was running wide open and Kenny was missing him most of the time. I think it was just a, a couple different things working that led to Pickens not really being involved. Address that further a little bit. So people, cause I, I heard another blogger on the radio just butcher it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's one clean answer and I want to save some of the stuff for the article, but a, they didn't, they didn't throw the ball a ton in this game. Pickens only, I think ran 31 rounds. He played a season low in terms of a snap count because they ran so many heavy sets and Deontay is more the every down guy. He's the X receiver. And so he's going to be the, the kind of de facto number one receiver in terms of how this offense is run and so they're a just off the top there wasn't a lot a lot of opportunity there um you combine that with pickens playing in the slot more which was actually i'm trying to remember the numbers here on that he played in the slot more didn't get to run some of his outside routes as much but whenever he was outside and he ran a lot of vertical routes the falcons were playing loose zone coverage they really weren't trying to allow a lot over their head they're well aware of what pickens can do and then last thing the numbers don't break incredibly cleanly but uh pickens I think it was, oh, what are the numbers here? 70 something percent of the time he lined up to the field side and Kenny Pickett through the boundary most of this game. Uh, he's kind of likes the boundary a bit more. It's a shorter throw for him to make. And so I'll have some numbers on that to show that um, because Pickens was to the field side more often and Pickens was throwing the boundary more often, just weren't a lot of looks for him in, in those scenarios. All right. How would you go about trying to force targets to Pickens or would you? Well, I mean, I understand you know, there's always game plans and there's things you can do to scheme guys up and get them the football the way they did Deontay against the Colts. But I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try to force it in the sense that this guy has to have 10 targets against the Ravens. That's what people want. Yeah. So, I mean, there's things you can do and, and you know, you can use more bunt sets. That's been used pretty effectively. But again, I just understand it's, it's the ebb and flow of the system of this run heavy offense with a, with a rookie quarterback. And when Pittsburgh played their heavier people in this game to run the ball, it just really did not give Pickens as many snaps as what he's normally accustomed to. All right. We'll look forward to that video. When, when, when will that be up? It'll be an article. Cause I think a video will be too tough to do, but uh, okay. I'll have an article probably for the morning. Okay. Uh, defense. Yeah. I mean, the, not that it's the main reason, but the video I did this morning uh, on Steelers Depot was on Tyson Aluwalu. And, and I, I know we both love the guy, but it, his time is up. I mean, he just really had a bad game. He's getting ragdolled by by the right tackle, Caleb McGarry uh, in, in Atlanta. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm at the point where I would consider Carlos Davis over Tyson Alualu at this point. Uh, yeah. And we, uh, in, an all, in the arms <laughs> of an angel. Man, uh, look, I was, I was the guy that after Alualu's first I think it was first two seasons. I wondered if they should resign him 
Mm-hmm. And because it was, it was, you know, kind of, you know, a, a very uneven, uh, not a lot of highs in there. Of course, a lot of it, I think, was at, at, at more as a pure defensive end, right? Uh, uh, in, in, in base, a lot right. less uh, nose stuff. Yeah, because Hargrave uh, was there. Right. Uh, they re-signed him. And made him more of a nose, you know, more of a defensive tackle, nose tackle type, kind of taking on that Hargrave role. And he really, really showed well. Uh, and then, then the injury hit uh, last season. And he's not that guy anymore. And it's time. And what that time looks like, I think you, you, you talked about it on, 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 on the uh, live stream the other night there. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you start promoting Carlos Davis in it. The only way you're going to get, you're not going to make, you're not going to make uh, Aluwalu inactive unless he's injured, unless you have somebody else not currently on the roster dressing and taking that spot, probably. Right. Someone has to play this backup nose tackle rotational snaps. And that's not likely to be a guy like uh, Leal or Loudermilk. No, Liao's too small and Lattermoke's too tall. So that leaves you with a Carlos Davis type. So uh, unless Alualu gets injured or unless they, you know, going to cut him outright, you know, or I mean, I suppose that you could elevate Davis a couple of games here and dress him that way. That's unlikely to happen unless there's an injury. Well, so, that was my thought. I mean, that's the best way to do it, at least in the short term and see how it looks. Yeah, I doubt we're going to see it, though. Yeah, I kind of doubt it too, but I think it's warranted. Unless there's an injury, yeah, it is. Anyway, I I don't want to spend too much time because I know he's only playing, you know, 15 snaps a game, but just just really a bad game for him, unfortunately. And then just you know, he's 35, he's got a bunch of leg injuries. I mean, it's it's not unexpected, but still sad to see. Other thoughts with the defense again, just guys not getting off of blocks. Um, Again, I I don't think the assignments were bad. I don't think the there weren't a lot of missed tackles in this game. It was just guys not getting off of blocks, guys not winning at the point of attack. Um, overall, so that was kind of why the why the Falcons got their run game going. Look, they got they got they got pushed off the ball in this one. I think, you know, yeah, they uh, did, uh, especially in the second half there. When uh, and that that's the byproduct of letting those teams hang around. That you know, if 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 if, if their identities run the football, which which Atlanta was and and doing so with uh, with, with Cordero Patterson, they did that and they started to move downhill. I thought the tackling overall was fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't imagine uh, Josh Carney is going to have a, 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 a very long missed tackles type say. I thought st- coverage for the most part uh, was okay. Marcus Mariota, make no mistake about it, he missed some throws in this game, right? Oh, yeah, Mariota was missing high all game. Right. Uh, I mean, that, that, that happens sometimes, though, uh, and – I thought the tackling was okay overall. And, you know, the big thing is they kept the points down on the scoreboard there. Uh, uh, the, the, the sack was uh, nicely done. You, you get uh, Edmonds up in there uh, in, the, in the A gap and, and kind of force a slide protection to their, their right. And that leaves uh, Cameron Hayward and, 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 and Alex Highsmith on that side to play a game, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and Hayward was the crasher there, and he's he's the best guy at stunts in football, both as as the crasher uh, to, to subtly and slightly hold the left guard to allow the looper in free, but this time he didn't even hold. He just crashed through and split the 
tackle in the guard and got through for the sack. So Haywood had a good game. Uh, the, the bull rush he had on the Minka uh, interception to end things, that was a good play. I just had to laugh at, um, I think even Cam saw this, uh, pre-snap Hayward switching that left leg, digging it in the ground and just and just taking off. And uh, Drew Dowman, that center, was was really overwhelmed by, by Ogunjobi and Hayward in this game. Man, can you imagine if this defense gets a 10-point lead or a two-possession lead in, in, in the third or fourth quarter of a game? I mean, at least against Atlanta, you knew Atlanta can't throw the football. So you were just trying to, if you could, if you could have just gotten a, a two possession lead in the second half, you know, you late in that game, you would have. Yeah. 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 That, so that's that what was I'm getting part. at. Right. Uh, if they could, if they could uh, bury another one of these red zone, you know, trips of theirs or instead of a field goal and, and get this thing in a situation, you may, you, you know, Dick Dick LeBeau always said, you know, the better you know, the the defense is always better. Uh, the better the offense is because you get them in some of them predictable. You you take them out of certain aspects of what they want to do, and uh, basically was the thing with, with, with on that last play there that that Minka intercepted. You know they're going to have to throw right, and uh, you know that they're you know you could just get it, you know, pin your ears back and get after them and. Uh, getting that motorcycle start like <laughs> you know, like like uh, like Cam Hayward, you can get after and you can impact the play that way. Uh, when when an offense, when you know what the offense is going to have to try to do, it makes it a lot easier to play defense and the whole rushing coverage thing, yada yada. You know, right? It's it's funny. Literally, the first time all game Atlanta had to throw, they threw an interception, and the game's over. The very first time they have to throw the football, and everybody knows it. So, um, yeah, they don't have a lot of thoughts defensively. Just you know, not winning the point of attack in the second half. Secondary, I thought, played well overall. Uh, got some late pressure and, and Minka called game. Okay. All right. I think we're getting a little bit short on time here. So any other final thoughts? George Pickens is speaking to the media now. Um, it looks I don't like think that went too well, did it? Doesn't, did it? it doesn't sound the best in the world, but uh, apparently I'm reading this from, from Brooke Pryor. Uh, can I edit my comments earlier in the show? Can you go back now? Uh, he uh, says... Uh, let, let's cover this because, I mean, it, this sure. is... Uh, I. I I have time. Where's my flag at? <laughs> yeah, you have all <laughs> kinds of time right now. Uh, this is uh, I'm just reading some of the tweets here. I think we have a story going up on Depot by the time people listen to this. But Pickens, before we began talking to the media, he, he had this opening statement, apparently uh, saying, quote, before we start this, I ain't going to be just saying stuff for you all uh, to just paint a story and make a statement bigger than what it is or make something bigger than what it is. So Pickens doesn't want to try to answer many questions about what happened, I think, to avoid that bigger story. Which in okay. itself will become a bigger story. Okay, and what did I say? Yeah. You know, Again. I, okay, if you're not going to address it after the game, oh, you, you better damn sure address it on 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 Wednesday, right? Yeah. Again, I I, I was fine with him not talking after the game. And look, um, I haven't I haven't heard this yet. I mean, we're we're reading. We don't have context here, so that's right. It's, it's kind of unfair here, but it doesn't sound like this went too too terribly well today. Uh man, just. Once again, I don't have a problem with 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 him wanting the football. I just think that the way that this is being played out on the field and off the field right now is going to make this an even bigger story. And it it when that happens, it becomes a distraction, and then he's going to get more upset. The fan, it's just going to snowball on him. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I I haven't heard all the comments today. I mean, I think ideally you would say today something to the effect of I, I got too emotional. I can't let that happen. I'm just a, I'm a competitive guy and putting it past us and, and something like that would be the best thing to say. But I also understand at a baseline level, a guy getting mad in a football game, that happens all the time. I understand some of the bigger stuff. We're talking about the Colts game and having a similar conversation there, not not to the frustration level or the yelling level, but just kind of a guy that needed to be talked to. 
Um, but a guy getting mad in a game of football, any sport, it happens every single week. I think to Pickens' point, he's saying this stuff happened, it happens a million times. I don't want to feel like I'm singled out about just this one instance. And look, he's a rookie, okay? I mean, he's a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, he's I, a young kid. No, we, we call him a kid. He's literally a kid. Right. I mean, let's do a few more things on the field before we start doing some of these things. Sure, but to, to the point about him being a rookie, sometimes rookies don't handle those things the best because they're rookies and they're dealing with struggles. And that's the first why time I say you got to nip it in the bud. Right. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think we'll see what happens the next time Pickens is struggling or not getting looks in a game, how he reacts. All right. Re- re- uh, everybody just remember how I've kind of replied to all of this along the way here, because I, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be I told you so, but, you know, just just remember. Right. But I think the point is, and the point that I made is this will happen again with George Pickens. He'll have a dud of a game where he's getting three targets and for whatever reason, uh, they're running the ball or just not getting the ball or, or being taken away. And he'll have to react better next time. All right. Uh, some emails. Yep. Read emails and close out today's show. Just have time for maybe two or three. All right. Uh, Ramon Angulo, uh, Angulo Garcia writes in, uh, hey, guys, this is not another fire Mike Tomlin. To be honest, LOL, even though I don't like his success the last few years, I know the Steelers do not fire coaches, but I have seen them not extending the ones that didn't perform good uh, on their on their tenure. I think it's safe to say Tomlin wants to be coaching through his contract that runs through 2024 and beyond that. But do you guys think he is sure bet to get extended? I mean, do you see a scenario where we get to get to the start of 2024 without him getting extended. How do you see this unfolding? I'm assuming the team continues to lack success in the playoffs in 2022 and 2023. Um, look, I mean, here we, here we are talking about, you know, right now, in, as, as we said earlier in this show, <laughs> this is a big game this week for the Steelers here. Uh, and one, you know, they're, they're getting a little bit of a handicap on their side without out having to face Lamar. If this team somehow gets into the playoffs, and I, I still have my doubts that that will happen, but it's a lot more likely than it was a few weeks ago. Man, what, what do you say about Mike Tomlin if he gets his team somehow into the playoffs? And even if he doesn't, the whole narrative will go back. Well, he hadn't won a playoff game yeah. since 2016, and that that's fine. I get that. But the fact that he gets his team into the playoffs uh, would be quite tremendous. Here's the thing. Where we sit right now, from my opinion, Mike Tomlin has no plans on going anywhere. Now, obviously, his kids growing up and and, you know, that could obviously change things. But I I've said this several times. I think Mike Tomlin loves every aspect about of what he is, does and is doing right now. And it just, it loves the draft process and everything about, about it with him is a Ritz cracker, I think. Uh, and I don't think the Steelers are, are close to even considering firing Mike Tomlin right now. So take all that for what, what, what you will. Not something I think about much. As you said, it's, it, I'm focused on Sunday. It's a big game Sunday. I think it's pretty likely there'll be an extension at some point for Tomlin. I, you know, assuming this team does not win a playoff game this year, I don't want to say they have to do it next year, but I feel like you got to be right in the mix of things, right? You can't 
Sure. If they don't win, if they don't win a playoff game next year, they've gone seven straight seasons right. without a playoff win. I mean, that That's, is just unacceptable. That, right. That does not happen in Pittsburgh. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. So much could change. I don't expect. I don't think Tomlin's in a hot seat right now or anything. But I understand as each year goes by and each year gets further away from just just their last playoff win, let alone last actual Super Bowl run, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it gets more and more frustrating. Uh, maybe we covered this the other day about TJ Watt coming back too soon. I think we covered that, right? It sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't come back too soon. The, the peck and the ribs are different things. Right. Uh, Brian Tolini writes in, David AK, with the Steelers' newfound run game success, are you surprised defenses aren't focusing more on stopping our run game and making Kenny beat them? I mean, look, they're 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 trying to stop the run. Yeah, I mean, you've seen some signs of that. Um, I think everyone recognizes they got a first round running, maybe a first round quarterback and a running back, but you know they're trying to run the ball. That's their, their how they're operating right now. But Pittsburgh's done a good job. I mean, they've just blocked it up well. I've I forgot how much I, I need to look how how much uh, uh, single high teams are, teams played in this game. I assume Atlanta did a fair amount because they're a single high team. Generally speaking, they played some too high, and when they do, Kenny checks the runs. There was a, the first play of the game was a, a, right. a check uh, too high to a, to a run that got six yards. So, right. So I mean, I, I, it felt like they were they were doing all they could do to kind of stop the run. Yeah, and when I mean Pittsburgh played a lot of heavy personnel, they played a lot of Hayward, a lot of Gentry, and so that always invites uh, you know guys to, to to defenses to stack the box. But Pittsburgh just just ran the ball well. Look, sit back and enjoy it, man. From where we were thinking, you know, where we where we thought there, where we knew this team was uh, coming out of out of out of uh, training camp to where they are right now. Now, look, I think continuity plays a whole hell of a lot, you know, time together because once again, knock on wood, this is an offensive line that there's not many around the league right now that can say they've gotten the the, the amount of snaps out of their 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 initial starting five like the Steelers have. Yeah, I mean, it's rare. I mean, are they the only team to have? Probably not, but how many teams have had their starting five start the entire season? I mean, it's probably count on one hand, I'm guessing. I, I would have, I would, I would imagine just over experience, it, it, there's not many of them right now. Right. So that, that's, as you said, I think that's a, a storyline not talked about enough. And it's a big reason for this team's improvement. Sure. I mean, Plus, that, their depth that, is bad. They have no depth. And so they really cannot afford an injury to anybody. True. And I mean, look, we haven't had to see, I mean, what has have guys like Trent, you know, Trent Scott's come in and played a handful as like a tackle. And then obviously a handful more as kind of an extra tackle, but he, he hasn't had to play, uh, the, the guard, uh, uh, yeah, you remember his name, Jesse Davis. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Davis, and and obviously Kendrick Green hadn't even been active for a game, but Jesse Davis, I don't think has even taken an offensive snap, has he? No, he's been left uh, left wing on field goals. He's been doing that every time. I, he's played so so little. Even now, when I watch him, I think John Leglue because he's wearing that seventy seven. <laughs> so I All mean, right. yeah, but that's I mean that's a good thing. I don't want Green playing. I don't want Trent Scott playing. I don't want Jesse Davis playing. So Hassenauer, yeah, and Hassenauer, I mean, Hassenauer has had, played some. Right, played a little, but I mean, yeah, you know, but. Uh, Look, uh, hat tip to Mason Cole too. Like you know, this is a guy that 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 has probably hasn't been healthy since training camp, right? Yeah, definitely not. But he's he's a warrior. All right, uh, what else do we have? We time to wrap it up here. Yeah, I think we're a little over time, but that's all right. I had a good conversation today, so we will come back Friday, hopefully with a Ravens beat writer and uh, preview the Ravens game. All right. In the meantime, man, congrats to Alex. Go, go uh, uh, re- retweet it's- that stuff of Alex out there from Good Morning Football this morning. That's quite an accomplishment there. Kudos to Alex. Good eye it's, on that. It's there. just too much time on my hands. That's all uh, it was. I think. God, I mean, God blessed us to be able to do that, right? 
That's true. Good point. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Uh, we will be back on Friday. Until then, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Alex.